What's up, rap fans? Welcome back to the Hip Hop Enthusiast Podcast, keeping you up to date on hip hop music in 2018. I'm Kyle French. Today is October 25th. It's been two weeks since our last drop. A lot of albums have come out. Content's been circulating. Shit's been going down. Drake vs. Push has been reignited. So we're going to get to that fallout with Drake going on the shop and Push going on the Joe Budden podcast. Believe it or not, after what I thought was everything being laid out in these diss tracks, there's even more background and information to dive into surrounding their situation. So we're going to get to all that. We're going to talk about up-and-coming New York artist Sheck West and his debut drop Mud Boy and City Morgue shaking up the industry with their genre-pushing mixtape Hell or High Water. We're going to check what's hot in the streets with Song of the Week and we'll see what's coming up next with new music announcements. Thank you guys for tuning in. If you don't already, go hit that subscribe button on iTunes and on the Apple Podcast app. Throw me a review if you like the show. I'd really appreciate that. Or hit me up on Instagram at hiphopenth, H-I-P-H-O-P-E-N-T-H if there's anything you want me to change, stuff you want me to talk about, etc., etc. I'm all ears and love to hear from you guys. So that's hiphopenth on Instagram. So let's dive right into it. We got Mud Boy by Sheck West, the first album we're going to break down. 20 years old, from New York City, son of African immigrants who came over from Senegal, recently signed to Travis Scott's Cactus Jack Records, and has been working with Kanye West for a number of years more on the uh, clothing and fashion side of things. His hit single, Mo Bamba, launched him into stardom. That's the song you probably think of if you've heard Check West. That's the song. You know it. It's a hit. It was became huge this summer. And you might be thinking, why do you name a song after this dude Mo Bamba? Such a, you know, he's a rookie in the NBA. He just got there. Not a huge name. But it's actually a cool story. Him and Mo Bamba grew up in the same neighborhood. Both sons of uh, parents who immigrated from Africa. So they had a lot in common. And it's, it's just dope to see, you know, two, like, best friends. One becomes a professional NBA player and one's blown up in the hip-hop scene. Just crazy that that worked out, but it's really cool. Um, and he's on the verge of becoming an absolute icon, being like way bigger than his mortal self. This is how I see Shaq West anyway. He's kind of in that vein that like that like 50 Cent was when he came up. Like he was way bigger than the human Curtis Jackson. You know, he was he was everything. He was the culture. He was music when he came out. Chief Keef, if you're thinking of more modern guys, when he dropped Finally Rich, he was... He was the drill scene in Chicago. He was the person everyone wanted to be. It was everything he said. It was like it was like a higher persona than his actual mortal self. Guys like Lil Yachty when he dropped um, Lil Boat or Playboy Cardi when he came out with his self-titled tape or even Die Lit this year. He's like still in that like level. So I thought Sheck West was on a similar trajectory. His singles, I just mentioned Mo Bamba and also Live Sheck West, Die Sheck West. Were out. They were running up numbers. They were running up hype. And I was hoping for that iconic tape that just like cements him briefly at the top of the internet rap game. It's a revolving door and one that isn't that easy to get to, even though you see all these guys who seemingly don't have the talent to stand up there. And I thought Shaq West was going to be that guy. He was going to be, maybe for a month or so, just be the hottest in the game, right? Unfortunately, that wasn't quite the result we got. He seems to have skipped the stage in a, of establishing himself as this like iconic figure. No songs really come close to matching the aura of the singles. I mean, Live Shack West bangs uncontrollably. The vocals are peaking to the point of distortion, insane 808s pounding. It's madness. The music video is incredible. 
but nothing really reaches that level again on here. I mean, Gmail and Fuck Everybody are definitely enjoyable and they're in this lane, but they're still both a little bit more reserved. He was really, you know, boiling over with that raw energy of what a young DMX brought to the game. Like, all summer, people were hyping him up, and then he just kind of quit it for this album. I mean, the production value is is definitely still a selling point. Obviously, he signed to Travis Scott. I think Travis likely had a hand in some of this creation. I know, like, the opening track, Mindfucker, features these, like, sputtering rattles just trapped in darkness. Sets a very surreal scene for the intro. And throughout, you do get very modern, crisp drums and melodies. It has a very solid foundation to work from. But Sheck just decided to change his style drastically and opt for almost more of a singing and, like, hushed undertone on a lot of these tracks. He does cite Kid Cudi as a major influence. And actually, when he first started rapping, when he was only, like, 10, 11 years old, he would go by the name Kid Cudi. So perhaps, you know, he he was trying to tap into that and maybe move his sound into that type of field. But... Even then, it's hard to wrap my mind around it because this sound was so out of left field from where I thought he was going to end up going. All I wanted to do was go wild and rage with this tape, and it just went a whole different direction. Many songs are straight-up duds, and it just brings his like untouchable persona down to earth. Absolutely levels the superhero that I thought he was set to become. I mean, the middle section of this album is, is tough. I mean, I, there's no other way to put it. You know, we get a song like Chippy Chippy, and I was like, okay, he's kind of changing things up. And then Never Lost comes on, which is my least favorite song on here. WESPN follows that. By the time you get to Kyrie, it's four straight songs. Like, I, I guess this is what this album is. And don't get me wrong, you know, I, I like and appreciate relatable and grounded artists who try to let us in on their lives or be slightly more personal or get it into their thoughts. But, I mean, he could have done that further down the road. It just... The only thing I can think of is maybe he was worried about being pigeonholed and try to get out in front of it. I know on um, on Black's debut album, he had like this skit where he was saying, I don't want to become a song. If you keep chasing that same allure, people just want that one thing from you. And instead of being a full artist, you're just one song. You have to keep replicating it over and over to stay relevant. Maybe Sheck West saw that coming, saw where he was headed, and he tried to hit a 180 on it. But either way, this tape, Mud Boy, falls flat. It's disappointed many people. I knew a lot of a lot of guys going into this that were like hyped for Mud Boy to drop. It just comes up short. The highs are there. Uh, you know, I think there's probably five to six tracks here that I, I would go back to, listen to again. He definitely, you know, has that potential with that hard-edged New York sound. And trap isn't really in, I don't want to, you know, label Sheck West as a trap artist specifically, but it's big in the South, not so much in New York. It doesn't often bring that, like, super sinister, like, dark tone. A lot of times it's cold, especially the stuff like Metro Boomin, you know, handles with, like, 21 Savage or something like that. But it doesn't have that, like, raw New York grittiness to it. I, I can't really put my finger on it, but grittiness is probably the best word. And Sheck West does provide that. You're on the track Wanted, for sure. So I wouldn't necessarily just dismiss this tape and push it to the side. But you're going to have to fish through and and probably listen to a lot of tracks that underperform and, and just don't bring the energy that they, they properly should. 
So for me, the best tracks on here are Live Shack West, Mo Bamba, Gmail, and Fuck Everybody. My least favorite tracks were Never Lost, WESPN, Chippy Chippy, and Danimals. Yes, this man made a song about Danimals. I was hoping it was going to be fire. It was, it was not. Real shame. I recommend this album if you like DMX and Travis Scott. Sort of a weird mix, but, you know, that's the guy. I do see him as kind of a, a modern DMX with this style he raps from and the, the values that he brings to the table. And he's over Travis Scott-esque production and uh, moving down that lane. So a little strange to say, you know, back-to-back DMX, Travis Scott. That's, that's where I'm at with it. Uh, an overall rating for Mud Boy, I'm going to go with a 5.5 out of 10. And we're going to run things back a couple weeks to when the only two songs out were Mud Boy and Live Sheck West. So we're going to bump those two to get a feel for what uh, Sheck West was and could be. So this is Live Sheck West and Mo Bamba from Mud Boy by Sheck West. Sheck West. Live Sheck West, bitch, I'm dying Sheck West. Sheck West. Live Shack West, bitch, I'm dying Shack 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 West. Live Shack. Live Shack West, bitch, I'm dying Shack West. Live Shack West, bitch, I'm dying Shack West. Live Shack West, bitch, I'm dying Shack West. Live Shack.
Oh, fuck. Shit. Bitch. Yeah, shit. Well, shit, I'm getting really rich. See how I got it, cause I really went to shit. See me in the streets and I be really with a, with a bad bitch. Niggas straight rock. Niggas straight see me when they see me, they be copping. I'm the best drug dealer, nigga, come and copy. Yeah, shit. What's up, like the fucking green goblin? You just heard Liv Sheck West and Mo Bamba by none other than Sheck West. And now we're going to move on to an album that capitalized on a lot of things that Sheck couldn't quite capitalize on. And that is City Morgue Volume 1, Hell or High Water by City Morgue, a trio made up of Zilakami, Sos Mula, and Thrax. The group is largely unknown. Thrax is the producer. Zilla and Sos are your performers. Zilla was actually featured on Denzel Curry's Taboo album, which I spoke very highly of when that dropped back in, uh, I think that was in July or something like that. Great album. That gave him some clout. They also ended up going on tour with Denzel during that run. And they're also the uh, the left behinds of Takashi 69 They actually began working with him. Zilakami would write for him, and Zilakami's brother was actually pretty much 6ix9ine's agent and manager, and they ended up splitting ways and obviously now 6ix9ine is like the most popular artist in the nation while City Morgue is still kind of bubbling up in the underground scene still young Zilakami is only I believe 18 years old uh Sos and Thrax I'm not really sure I couldn't get good, much information on them but still a very young group so they got a long long road ahead of them from Long Island New York and they label themselves war dogs. You're going to hear like dogs barking on a lot of these tracks and the term war dogs. And that's kind of their like moniker that they uh, they unite behind. And this debut album solidifies and capitalizes on the hardcore metal movement that has been shifting into hip hop. We've seen instances of this sound popping up, whether it's from XXX or Suicide Boys or even some tracks from Denzel Curry's Taboo. But City Morgue is one of the first to fully embrace it cover to cover and go all in on it. Zilla has been pretty outspoken that it does not derive influence from trap or metal, although that is what a lot of people are calling it, and deservedly so, because I think a lot of these, you know, scratching, driving electric guitars that are warped into these instrumentals do sound very metallic to me. And the production is is very modern. I agree it might not necessarily be trap, but it is very new wave and up-to-date. So an easy mistake to make, but Zilla claims it comes more from punk and hardcore rock groups is what they were listening to when they moved in this direction. And it's definitely one of the first rap albums I've heard to uh, not even the sound, but really play on the culture of what the metal scene was. Something that I personally didn't really understand. The head-banging and just the loud, aggressive guitars and screamo vocals. But if you were into that scene and that was what you listened to growing up, this might actually be a, a great album to you, especially if you've kind of transitioned into a love for hip-hop. You can expect intensity cover to cover on this album. As I mentioned, they used to run with 6ix9ine, and I still do think they have a lot in common with him. My first interpretation of this album was that they sound like a grimier, more talented version of 6ix9ine. And after multiple listens through, I still think that is largely the case. 
but artistically they're they're steps ahead they're bounds ahead and their voices and their vocal tones really drive this album there's nothing about this is going to be typical spoken word poetic rap not at all this is over the top intense screamo vocals zilla has this really raspy deep powerful voice it makes you think there's a monster on the track like literally godzilla coming across on this track you see a picture of this dude he's just a skinny little guy like I don't know how he has that voice or how he transforms himself into such a powerful presence, but he does continuously on City Morgue's debut. He's a more talented member of City Morgue and displays a little bit more of lyrical capacity, but that was not the focus here. It was more on this new sound he's trying to push forward. Sos Mula, he just sounds a lot like 6ix9ine to me. They both come from Hispanic backgrounds and their accents, voices, and deliveries link them together. And you'll know that it's a Sos verse because the only things he talks about on this entire album are selling rock and violence and crime. That's it. If you don't hear a bar about going to prison or selling cocaine, it probably was not said by Sos Mulo. So that's an easy way to tell the two apart. But while doing this, his verses are so hard. So hard. Uh, The track 33rd Black Blast and uh, Lamborghini Getaway feature very intense, aggressive verses that will get you out of your seat. And what this tape does really well is establish this new wave, this new sound of like new metal, modern hip-hop. It's absolute madness. The the chaotic creativity is something we haven't really seen or heard done to this degree. I also think it was very smart for them to keep track short. There's 14 songs on here, and it's over and under 30 minutes. No single track longer than like 225 or something like that. And they just punch you in the face over and over It gives you no time to recover track to track. Before you know it, you've been hit with another uppercut, another gut punch. So yes, the genre-blending positives of it and the hype over-the-top deliveries that both Zilla and Sos feature make for a good, very good album, but I do have a lot of takeaways that leave me wanting more. I understand they're pushing boundaries, but every song is is basically the same. You pretty much are going to hear dogs barking, You can hear some guitars start firing up and charging. Then the drums kick in, and then it's just screaming chaos ensues. It's pretty much the same formula over and over. Zilla does pretty much every hook, and then Sosh just does a verse, and then it's back to Zilla's part. And with the same formula for their instrumentals and their talking points, their subject matter, everything, it almost makes the verses and choruses seem interchangeable. You could juggle them around throw them on any track, and you wouldn't even realize that they were out of place. Nothing really makes any one song discernible from the others. You're not saying, oh, I love what they did on this song, or I love what they discussed and talked about here, or I love how they incorporated this into into this track where they didn't do that on the rest of the album. There's really not much of that. For the most part, it's just the same song 14 times over. And after hearing this, I can appreciate the efforts they put in, the talents that they've opened our eyes to, but I only know that they can do one thing. I only know that Zillakami can accomplish one task on a track. Same with Sos. Only one task that I know for sure he can accomplish. They didn't display much versatility or diversity. And the experimental nature of their music isn't enough for me to just cast this to the side. You don't get a free pass and and a go-to excuse just because you're developing a new sound. For example, Kid See Ghost, Kanye West and Kid Cudi, or Veteran by JPEG Mafia are both adventuresome bold album sonically that also showed me so much more 
Bottom line is this tape is 100% worth checking out. It's probably the hardest thing you're going to hear, at least in rap music this year. I applaud its experimental nature, and especially if you were into punk or metal or heavy hardcore rock growing up, this could definitely be for you. My favorite songs on here were 33rd Black Glass, Snow on the Bluff, Caligula, and Lamborghini Getaway. My least favorite songs would be Downer, PTSD, and Gravehop 187. I would recommend this album if you like Suicide Boys, Denzel Curry, or Takashi 69 And overall, I'm going to give this a 7.5 out of 10. So let's get to some examples of this madness. Prepare yourselves for 33rd Black Glass and Lamborghini Getaway by City Morgue from their debut drop, Hell or High Water. Chopper, turn them inside. Okay. Pull up on the house and in the ass and put it in your mouth. 
limousine, got the Glock in my jeans. Okay. Bitch, I serve fiends, got the rocks in my sleeve. Yeah. Bitch, I flip beats, cops outside the league. Okay, okay, okay. In the Lamborghini, that's the getaway. Yeah. Good exhaust, they smoke beat, puff it in your face. Yeah. Niggas talk, they also frontin'. Okay, niggas claim, oh, so you bang it, you fake. Okay, okay. That was 33rd Black Glass and Lamborghini Getaway by City Morgue. In all likelihood, you either loved or hated that. But albums like that that force you to have a strong opinion, I find to be interesting and fun to talk about and discuss. Much more exciting than just being like, yeah, this is mediocre, it's kind of boring, you know. Those albums suck to talk about. Those are a drag. This one, maybe you love it, maybe you hate it. Either way, it's electric. So those are album reviews for the day. We also had some other... Albums like Dime Trap from T.I. dropped that was solid. Ghostface Killer dropped some lost tapes, some loose cuts from the past few years. A lot of solid work there, too. Just felt like these two are the ones that I really wanted to talk about and give my take on. So there you have it. We also had more fireworks go off in the Pusha T vs. Drake beef. Just when I thought that this was in the ground, it comes firing back. Drake goes on the shop, which if you don't know, it's this... TV show that LeBron has uh, started on HBO. So him and his close friend and business partner, Maverick Carter, were on there pretty much just chopping it up with Drake. And he got into you know his perspective of how the, the beef began and the things that went into it. We got a lot of new information, some of which was the fact that Drake said Ye was, was so hyped to have him come out and work with him in Wyoming. Drake went out there. Ye's like, hey, you know, I'm throwing some stuff together. Help me out. I'm not dropping until October, November. He gives Drake the beat for Lift Yourself. And Drake, you know, trusts him. And he says he played in March 14th, which is the song where he really reveals and, and gets into his issues with uh, his fatherhood and the, the mother of his child and all that. And just opens himself up about that side of his personal life. And he says he talked to Kanye about the situation and so forth. And then he left Wyoming feeling kind of good about what was going on. And then he sees all the Yeezy season release dates coming out. You know, Pusha T, March 25th. Kanye West, June 1st. You know, albums all coming out right around when his album Scorpion was set to come out. And he's like, this is kind of fishy. And then Kanye releases Lift Yourself in meme fashion. He basically ruins the beat that he gave to Drake. Now, I mean, what's Drake going to do with it now? Write a serious song over the one that Kanye just turned into a complete joke for the entire internet to see. He couldn't do that. So now that's ruined. That's a waste. And he's like, what the hell, right? And then the final straw is he say, you know, Pusha drops his album, obviously with Infrared on there, dissing Drake about writing when he knows he was just out there helping Ye with his album and writing for him. And he insinuates that, you know, when Drake then, or when Pusha T then dropped Story of Adenon, that Ye must have been the one who divulged all the information, gave Pusha T the inside scoop. And so now he's pretty much like, fuck Kanye, I'm done with that, dude. And I'm watching this whole interview like, damn, I'm, I'm on Drake's side. Like, Ye's a snake, good music, just a bunch of backstabbers. Like, I thought Push, of all people, was higher than this. So many more songs made sense on Scorpion now, like the track Mob Ties. Knowing this information, going back and listening to it, like, this is clearly all going at Kanye West. And so I thought the you know, the script was flipped. All of a sudden, a lot of what Push said was completely undermined. 
And Drake also highlighted that the thing that pissed him off the most, the thing that he felt crossed the line and was beyond the rules of beef, was when Pusha said his thing's about 40, you know, and his MS conditions and how he was going to die soon. It's a short but interesting interview. Definitely go check out The Shop with LeBron James and Maverick Carter on HBO. You can find the clips on YouTube. They're very accessible. And so, like I said, I've, I've, I've flipped. I'm all of a sudden like, I think Drake won this thing. Like, he got screwed over by Kanye West. Like, I'm rethinking my entire thoughts on Kanye's career after this move, right? And then just a couple of days later, Push is like, let, let me get my face in the media. Let me go on the Joe Budden co- podcast and clear all this up. So he hops up there and he's like, ask me anything. He, I mean, he did, the man didn't have a care in the world. Nothing to hide. He's like, ask me anything. Give me counterpoints, whatever you got. And he goes all over about how Yade had nothing to do with this. He's acting completely on his own accord. He's reigniting a beef with a known enemy. Like, we know Push and Drake have been going back and forth, right? But the biggest reveal of them all was that Push said he got this information through 40. And 40, for those of you who don't know, I've said his name a couple times, he's one of Drake's, like, best friends and his primary producer on a lot of his albums. And so apparently, when he was out in Wyoming, he was talking to this woman in some type of relation with him, and he was talking about everything that happened with Drake and his child, and he was actually saying that he was a little bit frustrated with things that were going on with Drake. He didn't feel like he was getting enough credibility, and there were problems between those two. And then Push ended up hearing this information when this girl was basically just spreading gossip, showing with the Good Music crew in Wyoming, and he decided to use it as ammo. Like, he says Ye told him nothing, Ye didn't plan any of it, and he also opened my eyes up to how staged the shop interview had to have been. He's like, look at it. It's, it's like well-produced was what he said. Because he's so staged as a clear bias. They didn't ask any other contradicting questions. All he did was just serve up softballs for Drake to crush. They didn't cross-examine like any of his statements. Like even the, he was talking about the camera work and the lighting was done purposefully to like make us like take Drake's side and feel bad for him and like make him look like he got screwed over. And he's right. I went back and watched it and I was like, this actually does feel very fake now that he's put this idea in my head. So I've been going back and forth on this. You know, when Story of Adnan and, and W Freestyle dropped, at the end of the day, I was like, Pusha got him. That's, you know, that's just a fact. And then Drake almost pulled me back just for Push to go on Joe Budden's podcast. And it's like, he just took another L. Like, just took, took him back to back. Very tough. And now it looks like Drake's feud with Kanye was largely unjustified a lot of misguided hate, and he basically just alienated this dude that was actually genuinely trying to help him when he thought he was just going behind his back. But what I learned the most from this, my biggest takeaway, is Drake just is not cut out for this type of battle. Him and Push are two different cats. Push is heartless. He has nothing to hide, and he's just simply put a better rapper. Drake has too thin of skin and too much on the line reputation-wise and brand-wise to get into the mud. And he even cited that as one of the reasons he didn't drop his second diss track, which he claims he recorded and would have been career-ending for both Kanye and Push. A bold statement for a guy who didn't even put it out. But he said he didn't want to be remembered like that. He's like, you know, I don't, I don't want to be the bad guy. You know, I'm just going to take the high road. Like, that's, that's not what you do when you're in a rap war. Like, this is warfare. This is bar warfare right here. And Drake's not cut out for it if that's his response and that's how he feels. 
I can respect it to a degree, but at the end of the day, like that's why he can't touch Pusha. He can't. They're two different styles of rap artists. Pusha will never beat Drake at Drake's game, which is popularity, hits, sales, running numbers. Never going to. And Drake will never beat Pusha at Pusha's game. Bars, battles, MC ethics, and just traditional integrity. Drake's just got too much on the line. Push, he does not care. This is the life he's lived from day one. He's born and bred in the streets with these values. It's not going to change. He doesn't care. He'll wear it off. So I believe this is the final chapter of this back and forth. The only thing I wish is that we could have heard this go down on wax instead of in interviews. Hearing Drake rake Kanye across the coals just for Push to drop some punchlines about how 40 was the reason for Drake's exposure. I mean, that the retirement procession would have been real for Drake following that track. I mean, the irony of him saying that Push crossed the line going at 40 and then 40 being the reason for the like pretty much the whole story of Adnan diss track. I mean, that's it would be brutal. So for the final time, we can deem Push the uncontested victor in this battle. And hopefully this energy they can turn around and put into both of their careers and keep coming with good music. So that's a resolution on Drake vs. Pusha T. If you want to hear these things for yourself, like I said, go watch it. The Shop, Drake was on with LeBron and Maverick Carter. Or Pusha T going on the Joe Budden podcast with obviously Joe Budden himself. Get all the details, all the context behind it. Entertaining stuff right there. But let's move on because we get our Hot in the Streets song of the week. And this actually dropped a couple weeks ago. Like I said, we didn't have a show last week. So this is from kind of a minute ago now. But it's still hot. It's still heat. And it is ZZ by Kodak Black featuring Travis Scott and Offset. Since Kodak has gotten out of jail, he has been, he's turned himself into an absolute meme. He's just on the internet being an absolute fool. And you've probably seen the viral snippet of him in the studio with Travis Scott dancing to this like Caribbean-esque island bouncy beat. And that was the track we got right here. He finally released it. And it is ZZ. I was a very outspoken fan of Kodak Black's, uh, well, not his last effort, actually. It's two albums ago, Project Baby 2. He dropped Heartbreak Kodak this year. I almost forgot about that one. That was kind of a step down. But Project Baby 2 made me a legitimate Kodak Black fan. And I'm hoping he comes with more good content post his jail sentence. And please don't go back, dude. Like, figure your shit out. He even said, this is another one of those just viral videos. Is he's like, I'm not a Project Baby no more. I'm a suburban dude. Hilarious. So hopefully he embraces that, stays away from his criminal past, and just focuses on music and also writing that book. Because he said he was writing a book in prison, and I have not gotten it. I was promised a book authored by Kodak Black, and I haven't seen it, and that's disappointing. I was really hoping 2018 was the year that got me back into reading. But maybe maybe 2019 Kodak. I'm, I'm still waiting. But let's go ahead and get to it. This is your Hot in the Streets song of the week. ZZ by Kodak Black with features from Travis Scott and Offset. Ice water turn Atlantic, night calling in a phantom. Told them, hold it, don't you panic. Took an island, fled the mansion. Drop the roof, more expansion. Drive a coupe, you can stand it. Bitches undercover. I'm an ass and titty lover. Guess we all meant for each other. Now that all the dogs free. And we out in these streets. Shit, it's that Z shit. 
brains at the coop. Polly one on top, but I'm on mute. I'ma bust her wrist down cause she cute. Ice. Fuck her on the yacht, I've been on pool. She yeah. an addict, addict, addict for the lifestyle in the paddock. Big daddy, have you ever felt Chanel fabric? I be dripping to death, I need a casket. And we got more strikes in the rough, he foul tackle. In the middle of the field, like David Beckham. All my niggas locked up for real, I'm trying to help him. When I got a meal, got me the chills, don't know what happened. Pop pill, do what you feel, I'm on that zombie. I'm more like a Daffy, I'm not no Gundy. I'm more like I'm David Goliath running. Niggas be cloning, I find it funny. Clone. We finna know, straight out of the dungeon. I go in the mouth, she causing me nothing. 300 watches out of your budget. Me mugging, got me clutching. Yeah, and this stick right out of Russia. Ice water turn Atlantic. Night calling in a phantom. Told them, hold it, don't you panic. Took an island, fled the mansion. Drop the roof, more expansion. Drive a coupe, you can stand it. Bridges undercover. I'm an ass and titty lover. Guess we all been for each other, now that all the dogs free Then we out in these streets Can you do it, can you pop it for me? Pull up in a demon on guard Looking like I still do fraud Flying private jet with the rod It's that Z shit, it's that Z shit Pull up in a demon on guard Looking like I still do fraud Flying private jet with the rod It's that Z shit, it's that Z shit and a hell cat cause I'm a hellraiser Self-made, I don't owe a nigga land favor When you get that money, nigga, keep your heart I'm sliding in a coupe, ain't got no key to start I got to follow me and BET Awards When your well run dry, you know you need me for it When I pull up in the Buick, you know what I'm doing If the police get behind me, fleeing, then you lose Sleeping on the pallet, turn me to a savage I'm a project baby, now I stay in Calabas Like I'm still surfing, like I'm still jacking I be sipping on lean, trying to keep balance Hit that Z-Walk with my Reebok, I don't say much, I just let the heat talk, your jewelry water whoop, diamonds like re-rock, my little baby ride that dick like C-Lock, when I stepped up on the scene, I was on a bean, when I jumped up out the bean, I was in Celine, baby girl, you just a fleen, that ain't what I mean, money busting out my jeans like I do skin. pull up in a demon on guard, looking like I still do fraud. So that's your Hot in the Streets song of the week, ZZ by Kodak Black. As of right now, I don't think it's associated with a future release, just something he threw together, getting in the studio with a couple of the homies after getting out of prison. What better way to celebrate? But we will take a look, a peek at what's coming out next, and we'll recap last week. So let's get into it. New music announcements. Last week, October 19th, we got World on Drugs by Future and Juice World, another collab in the trap scene. I feel like we get five a month now. Uh, but that's another one, two pretty big names. We got Nothing to Prove by Lil Yachty, which is basically just Lil Boat 2, 2. We got So Icy Princess by Asian Doll and North's Best by Lil Mosey, both of which I have not checked out. We also got a nice little EP from Open Mike Eagle titled What Happens When I Try to Relax. Looking forward to tomorrow, some albums that are actually coming out this weekend, October 26th. We're getting Pieces of a Man by Mick Jenkins. I feel like this release date has been flying under the radar. Not a lot of people are talking about it. But he's a phenomenal talent from when he dropped his mixtape The Waters back in like 2014 until now. He's been very consistent. And we played, I don't know if it's going to be on the album, but his single Bruce Banner was featured as as our Hot in the Street song of the week a couple, probably a month ago or so now. And that's fire. So I'm hoping this album is great. We're also getting Love Me Now by Tory Lanez. He put out a single for that already with a, a very suspicious Meek Mill feature. Not in support of what happened on that track, but we'll see what the album does. 
We're also getting Mighty by T.Y. Dolla Sign and Jeremiah. A little bit of a R&B rapid turn singer collab. So definitely a few question marks dropping this weekend. And I'm sure there'll be even more once uh, midnight rolls around and everybody gets their stuff out. In the future, looking down the road, we're also apparently getting an Underachievers album November 2nd. And like I mentioned in the past couple weeks, that Anderson Pack album is coming. Mark your calendars. November 16th. We're getting ready for some bops on that thing. Already heard that track, Tints with Kendrick Lamar. Very bouncy, very groovy. Love the direction of where this album is heading. Could be a super fun trip on November 16th with Anderson Pack's Oxnard. So that's a wrap on what we know is coming out next. And that's also a wrap on the show today. Thank you once again for listening to the Hip Hop Enthusiast Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle French. Just out here keeping you up to date on hip hop music in 2018. Trying to make you the king of the ox chord. Quick 40 minute summary of what's gone on in the past week in the rap industry. You'll get it right here. Easiest way to do so. Subscribe, leave a rating, follow me on Instagram. Keep up with the movement. And I'll keep you up with the trends. That's my promise. Let's get it. I'll catch you guys next week. Hip-hop enthusiasts. Peace.